Hey friends, welcome to Girls Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So guys, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to prioritize what matters and let go of what doesn't. Our guest for today's episode is Kendra Adachi, who is also known as the Lazy Genius. Kendra's motto is, be genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Essentially, she shows women that it's not about doing more or less in order to live a meaningful life. It's about doing what matters to you. This past summer, she released a brand new book called The Lazy Genius Way, Embrace What Matters, Ditch What Doesn't, and Get Stuff Done, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about it. In the book, Kendra shares 13 principles to help you lazy genius anything. Now, while I wish we could go through all 13 principles because they are so good, I picked out a few of my favorites so that we could dig deeper into them. The principles range from how to decide once and what that actually means, how to set house rules, what it means to essentialize, how to schedule rest, and so much more. I know you're going to love our conversation, and after you listen, I want to hear what Lazy Genius Principle was your favorite. Mine was Lazy Genius Principle number 12. But before we dive in, I have a resource I wanted to make sure to share with you. It's my newest prayer journal, and it's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. I love this journal because it's a powerful, practical way for us to connect with God in times when our future feels really uncertain. Through guided prayer prompts, the between places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To order a copy of your own, just head to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. All right, friends, without any further ado, let's hop into my episode with Kendra. Okay, friends, I'm super excited about this episode. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Kendra Adachi. Kendra, thanks so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. So I would love, for women who aren't familiar with you, I would love it if you could just tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. All right. Who I am is Kendra Adachi. I am known as the lazy genius, um, which is also weird when I'm like walking in Target and someone will say, are you, are you the lazy genius? genius? I'm like, I am. My name is also Kendra. You can call me that too. No one knows my actual name. It's That's pretty funny. So, uh, but I, I'm the lazy genius. I host a podcast called the lazy genius podcast. I'm on Instagram all the time, cooking chicken, talking about various things. And I have a new book coming out this summer, August 11th called the lazy genius way. So I'm, I'm just lazy geniusing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your fun fact could be like, so my name's actually Kendra. My name's actually Kendra. I know. Yes. My my fun fact, um, let's see. So I wanted to be a sports reporter for like most of my teenage life. That was what I wanted my job to be. And I won a sports writing contest like through our local newspaper when I was in eighth grade. Like I, won, I, I came in second. And it was like all of these like dudes who were 50 and me. And to the point that the editor was like, did your dad write this? And I said, no, I wrote it. Like, I was so offended. <laughs> but no, I was, yeah, I won a, I won second place 
in a local newspaper sports writing award when I was in eighth, when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> Beating out a bunch of 50-year-old sports fans. That's I was pretty, amazing. I was pretty proud. Yeah, yeah. that's really awesome. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I love that. When we were, when you're talking about people running into you at Target and saying, are you lazy genius? For the longest time, my Instagram handle and like everything, you know, my website and everything was the lipstick gospel. And that's my first book, but my book wasn't done yet. And so I just had that be the title of everything. And so I would, yeah, I would run into people and they would go, oh, are you lipstick gospel? Yes. (laughs) My name is actually Stephanie. My name (laughs) is actually, I know. And then you don't really, it's so strange because I really, I actually want to put people at ease by saying, my name's Kendra. But then sometimes people feel really bad for not actually knowing my name or, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, 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 that wasn't, no, no, it's, it's okay. fine. You can call yeah. me whatever you want. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll answer to anything, it. truly. <laughs> I named myself the lazy genius. It's my own fault. Like, yes. it's fine. You're like, seriously, use whatever. That is fine. Right. Um, well, okay. So Kendra, I'm so glad you mentioned your new book. I'm super excited about this. So it's called The Lazy Genius Way, like you said, and it's embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. Yes, and amen to that. So now that we've talked about <laughs> the fact that you are lazy geniusing all over the place, how did that start? Like, how did you become the lazy genius? What does that even mean? Give us some backstory. Yeah, well, I, I've been writing on the internet for like 10 years or so, but then about, it was August of 2015 when the Lazy Genius Collective first started. And I had just gotten kind of tired of seeing the women that I was interacting with living in basically one of two camps. They were either in the try hard camp or the give up camp. And uh, everyone was feeling guilty about their own choices and comparing their choices to other women's choices. And like the whole like messy hair don't care, which is a lovely thing. My my hair is messy right now. But it almost was like, it wasn't reaching deep enough to the fact that people really sometimes do care about their hair and that that's okay. And they felt bad about caring about things that other people seem to not care about. And it just gets really messy. And then what happens, I think, is as we're managing all of those comparisons and expectations, when you throw like making dinner and trying to get stuff done for work and trying to keep up with like, you know, keeping up with your friends and caring for an aging parent and like all these different things that we're dealing with, we're just so tired. We're just so tired. And so I thought, golly day, I want to offer a new way for people to see where they can be a genius about the things that matter to them. They can name what matters to them, not feel badly about it, and seek ways to care and embrace it and be a genius about it. But then they can also name what doesn't so much and be lazy and let someone else be a genius about it. And we don't we don't have to shame each other or compare all of that for those individual choices, which you know, as they say, it makes the world go around. So, um, so that's, that's where it started. It just came from like this deep, uh, desire to encourage women to, to be free, but like really specifically in what they care about. I really love that. I remember, um, a couple of years ago, several years ago, reading an essay by Shauna Nequist, um, who's just one of my favorite authors. And she, she talks about making a to don't list And she's like, you know, my to-do list is like so long and it has all these things on it. And finally, I just sat down and made a list of things I don't do. And it's like, I don't garden. I don't have like fancy, pretty nails. I don't whatever. And that idea of just throwing in the towel on a handful of things is so freeing. And just being like, I'm not the girl who constantly has a really pretty manicure. Me personally, I'm not that girl. I'm not either. 
It's I'm fine. not either. And what happens, and I, I love that you say that, and both of those examples are true of me. I don't garden and I don't have pretty nails. So it's yeah, really either. funny that those are two of your things. <laughs> I'm like, those would definitely be on my don't list. Yep. But what happens too, and this is this is part of the the spirit of the the book and the Lazy Genius Collective in general, is that what we do if we don't continue in those conversations um, and we, if we're not friends with people who do have pretty nails and who do love to garden and we don't like enter in with each other and and like champion and praise other people for choosing what matters to them, then we start to draw lines and kind of silo ourselves because we're like, well, I don't care. But then we assume that no one else should care. And so it's just, it's such a... Um, I love I love Shauna's message because I feel like Shauna is very much like you need to do what brings you life and she's so good at sharing what brings her life which I love but yeah it's not about it's not a it's not about sacrificing what matters to us for the sake of what matters to someone else or vice versa like we can all care about different things yeah. and not yeah like not not feel bad, not apologize. Like, oh, I'm sorry, my nails aren't cute and yours are so cute or your hair looks so great today or look at you wearing lipstick and it's like well. Some days I wear lipstick and some days I don't. And we don't have to make it a thing. We're just being yeah. people. It's good. You know, like, so like there's I just, no, there's I just no like we, we do or we have nice nails club or we don't have right. nice nails club. Like it's, right. it's, we can just mix all in together. And yeah, exactly. yeah I, I love that. Care about different things. Yeah. Well, okay. So you talk about 13 principles for how to lazy genius anything in your book. And there, basically, I want to ask you about every single one of them, but I'm not going to. I've <laughs> disciplined myself. I want to ask you about some of my favorites though, and I'm hoping that you can kind of talk us through them and um, that at the end of this, we can have some really practical tools to help us um, have our lives and our homes and our work and just just everything be like a little bit easier and a little bit more free. Yeah, so, for sure. Are you ready for the first one? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. So the first one is number one, <laughs> um, but I love it. Okay. So you said a lazy, a lazy genius principle number one is decide once. What does that mean? All right, so deciding once is making a choice one time and then not really making it again for a long time. And the point of that is, you know, we hear a lot about like decision fatigue and, you know, all the things. There are just so many choices that we're having to make. And that is very true. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And so it's helpful to make choices one time and take those off of our mental plate. But another part of that is when we start to decide once in different areas of our lives, we leave space to give more thought and decision-making energy to things that actually do matter. Because that's the whole that's the whole thing is we want to have like margin and space to care about what we care about. And so if we can sort of have some fixed decisions in areas of our life that maybe not, maybe don't matter as much, um, we're, we're leaving space. So it's like, it can be, and that's the thing. That's why I love that's why I love this book. Can I say I love my own book? I love my book totally so can. much. Yep. <laughs> I just love it so much because, uh, and it's ironically, it's not the book I pitched to write. You know, like you're an author. You kind of know how that goes. Like when you're writing a book proposal and you start to write and you're like, wait, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Not where I was headed. What yes. is happening? Yeah. And so this is not the book I pitched, which I think is why it makes me even more excited. Um, but decide once it can be applied to anything and any life stage, you know, for whatever it is. So, you know, I think about like uh, in Mean Girls, they wear pink on Wednesdays. That's a fixed decision. They're deciding once. It's like, I, love that. I don't have to think about it. We're going to wear pink on Wednesday or whatever it is. So uh, it can be, it can be anything. Okay. I really like that. And like, you're just kind of eliminating, you're just eliminating things to think that don't about. matter. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think of some of my fixed decisions because I've been, this is something I've kind of been working on lately. Usually, uh, well, life's changed a little bit lately, but um, usually on Sunday nights, my husband and I order out some sort of Chinese food or Thai food or something. um, And that's, that's just kind of what we do on Sundays. So we just know that that's dinner and that's great. I was also thinking, you know, a lot of my friends are having babies right now. And so everyone has like the meal train. So you sign up for the meal train and you're going to bring someone food. And the one time I actually made something from scratch and brought it to someone, somehow either it wasn't on the meal train thing or I missed it, that the the mom, the new mom was a vegetarian and I made (laughs) like a chicken, uh, (laughs) like tortilla soup or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I show up and I'm like, not even the kind of thing where you could like pull the meat out. out. No, it's like deeply embedded in there. Yeah. And so really, I think, you know, I don't know if I ever made a fixed decision, but ever since then, I'm the one who's like, your Uber Eats gift card will be on its way. (laughs) Or like, (laughs) or tell me what you have from Chipotle and I will pick it up for you on the way. I'm just like not a homemade I'm just not, it's just, it's better for you, trust me, if I don't bring you homemade food. Well, and you know what? I want to, I want to affirm that fixed decision. And I also, if I may, just like throw a little bit of truth at you in that too, because you said like, you started to apologize to like, to me for not being a a cook or for not really caring as much. And that is actually something that I want to encourage all of us to not do as much. Like it's Mm -hmm. okay that that's not something that you are passionate about or good at, or you could be an amazing cook and still not care about cooking. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, it's not necessarily a skill thing, but just because you're doing an Uber Eats card doesn't mean that the person who's making homemade chicken soup or whatever is providing for these friends better than you are. There's no better here, Mm -hmm. right? Can I say that to you, even though we just met 10 minutes ago? You totally can. You totally can. I'm receiving that like crazy. That's so, I love that. I love that. And that's such a good example of like how we do that sometimes. It's so easy. I say sometimes. It's so easy. Yes. We do it all the time. But that's a great, just as a concept, that's a great place to make a fixed decision to decide once. We have one that's similar when friends, like new friends come over for dinner. We always have pizza. I always make pizza because it's just something I love. Homemade pizza is like... I do love to cook. It's one of my favorite things that does not make me better at feeding people than someone who orders Domino's. Um, I just love the experience of homemade pizza for myself. And so that's what we always have. And it's so lovely when we know someone's coming over, I don't have to think like, well, what do we make? What are we going to do for dinner? We're going to have pizza. We're going to make pizza. Like that's always, except when they're gluten-free and vegan. That happened one time and I didn't ask. And then they came and I was like, I am so sorry. I and the have thing is like we can't. I don't have. I don't have any. I don't have anything for you. Like, oh my sad. gosh! You, yes, yes. You're like okay. That's a yeah. That's a double whammy. I I love that though. Okay, give us just a couple more examples of like yeah. areas where we can or or some fixed decisions either you've made or people that you know have made just so that we yeah. can kind of get our like wheels turning. Well, you mentioned baby showers. So, um, or like not baby showers, but baby meal trains. The assumption is maybe there was a shower sometime before the train. So like if you're getting invited to baby showers, if you've got a lot of friends who are having babies, you know, you always get the same thing. You get a box of diapers and you get like one thing off of the registry or something. You get a, or even more specific, you could be like, I'm going to get a book that's on the registry. And that's what you get. You know, like you just always know that's what you're going to get. The same goes for, you know, like, well, I think I actually say in the book that if you, like, 
a person's registry is a fixed decision. Like you don't have to decide. They decided for you. So like honor their decision and buy something from the list, says the woman who got married 17 years ago, but had to return so many things. And I still kind of remember those memories in not positive ways. So like, yeah, just buy know. from the list. Because if you don't, registry, if man. someone doesn't buy from the registry, sometimes you can't return it because you don't no, know where it came from. And there's I no know. gift receipt. And you're like, That's- what am I supposed? What am I supposed to do with this? What really thoughtful, this? really doesn't yeah. match with my decor gift. Right. Yes. Um, but other things like, let's say you, um, you know, it could be a fixed decision of like, I don't. When I go out with friends on Friday, I don't drink because I love to go for my Saturday run. So it's like done. I don't, you know, I don't really do that. Like that's decided. So you're not like waffling. Like, well, should I? You just sort of know that how that the run matters to you. And if you drink a couple of cocktails the night before, you're just going to feel gross when yep. you wake up and you don't want to feel gross. And so that's just like, that's done. You know, that's decided. Or even things like, we just, do you ever spend like 15 minutes standing in front of the sink about to wash dishes, but you don't start washing dishes because you're trying to find the perfect playlist to listen to? while you're washing dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are certain, it's so crazy how there are things that we don't know how much time they take up. And so it's sort of like you have one album you listen to when you wash dishes. That's your choice. Like that's what you've decided when you wash. And then it's kind of like a lovely sort of like liturgy almost. Like I'm going to listen to Justin Bieber when I... <laughs> gonna listen to forever that song is dope man i love that song so much so like it's you know it's it's so silly but at the same time like you're releasing all of this energy and all this noise from your life and um and then you're able to like sort of sink into what matters throughout throughout the day it doesn't what matters doesn't have to be like this incredibly soulful thing it can be something like i just want to wash my dishes when it's time but have fun doing it here's the album i'm gonna listen to like it's super super simple yep Okay. I really like that. Okay. So let me see. Uh, okay. The next one, I really disciplined myself. It sounds like I didn't because it sounds like I'm asking about everyone, but I promise I cut some out. <laughs> Is it um, number two? <laughs> it's not number two. It's number three. <laughs> uh, okay. So number three, lazy genius principle number three is ask the magic question. What is the magic question? The magic question is what can I do now to make life easier later? Okay. And the more you ask that question, y'all, Oh my word. It's like, it's like a snowball that just like keeps picking up speed. You know, it just keeps gathering snow, but not now that's a really bad analogy because then it feels like you're running from a giant snowball that's going to attack you. This is like the opposite of attacking. It's really, really lovely. It's a momentum. Yeah. Yes. There yeah. it is. It's just, uh, it can be applied to everything. I generally use it. Um, it actually started for me with dinner. I would always magic question dinner. Like, what can I do now to make dinner easier later? And there are tons of things you can do. You can pull the carrots out of the fridge. You can, this is very true when you have like little tiny humans, if you happen to have, um, if anybody has like little kids, because you generally only have one arm to do anything. And so like, I would literally, we ate so much spaghetti. We still do. I have three kids. And um, I would literally fill up the pot of water for the pasta like in the morning when I wasn't holding a human so that later in the afternoon when it was time, I didn't have to wrestle a pot and a cranky baby. The pot was there and I just turned on the water. It was like, well, that was easy. Like it's mm. just, it's those kinds of things. So it can be applied again. It's a principle that can be applied to anything. You can just ask, what can I do now to make life? Or you can drill down and get specific. What can I do now to make grocery shopping easier later? 
what can I do now to getting in to getting that project done, you know, more easily later when I get you, you can use it for anything. I'm trying to think of examples of like how I've done this recently. Well, I mean, one is is podcast interviews. Mm-hmm. I do not come up with questions on the fly. I would be so stressed out if I did. I think through them well in advance and have them, I mean, days, if not weeks ahead of time. And so when I like come to sit down with you, I look over the questions and go, okay, I know what we're going to talk about. And so I'm not nervous. I'm not stressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not anything. It just feels like it gets to be such a pleasure to sit down and chat because all of the prep work is done in advance. Yeah. That's a great example. Great example. How do we get specific with this question and not end up procrastinating? Like, how do we keep going with this? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think the more that you ask, like I said, I think the more that you ask and get into the habit of asking, uh, the more you'll find the benefit in asking and you won't have to remind yourself to ask. So that's that's one thing. It's like once it gets going, um, it is really helpful. I also think that just writing down the phrase magic question on a sticky note and putting it on your fridge or your bathroom mirror or like we're actually right now working on like wallpaper screens, like phone wallpaper screens. So it's like, can you ask yourself the magic question right now? Like just so you can sort of like see it. So the more it kind of gets into your brain, the more you remember to do it. But I do think that starting small with your asking is like if you if you ask the question and your answer is too big, you're not going to do it, right? An answer to the magic question needs to be like, what can I do now? It needs to be like done in a few minutes or you know that it's something like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like your podcast questions where you can go like, I know how to, I know how to do this. Even if it's going to take like, you know, 20, 60 minutes, however long, I also understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And it doesn't feel like a drag. I understand the expectations I'm setting for myself. Whereas if you're like, what can I do now? Here's how you don't use the magic question. (laughs) What can I do now to make being healthy easier later? Well, I have a lot of words about health anyway, and your body shape being a cultural construct, it's fine. We we don't have to spend a lot of time there. Um, But like, that's way too big. That is way too big because there are too many choices. It's too broad. And guess what? You might not know if that's something you care about in the first place. Like, is that, do you feel like you need to ask yourself um, how your future self is going to feel because that's what everyone else is telling you you need to feel? Or is it something that truly matters to you? So you need to keep it personal and you need to keep it small, like really small. But I think one thing that helps is if when I feel a wave come over me, and maybe this is, I don't think this is just me. I feel like other people experience the wave of like, there's so much to do, or I really don't want to do that, or, you know, whatever it is. For you to just see that wave is like a cue of like, magic question, how can I make that thing easier later? And it could just be, don't worry about it right now. You'd have no control. Like it could be, that's the answer. And you go, okay, you're right. You're talking to yourself. I talk to myself. It's fine. Yeah, I do too. Or, you know, like you're saying with the podcast, like if you're feeling like, oh, I'm so nervous about this interview and you can go, oh, wait, I haven't, I didn't magic, I didn't magic question it yet. I haven't set up my questions. Like you, you just start to sort of get into um, a rhythm because as long as your question, your answer stays small and applies to something that matters to you, you're going to do it. If it's too big, you won't do it. And then you won't reap the benefits. So just start super, super small. So if it's like with health, if you're like, I, I am trying to take better care of my body, move more, eat more vegetables, for example, okay. you could say, how, like, how can I make working out easier tomorrow morning? Okay, well, like set out your shoes and your like leggings right. and your whatever. 
And then, you know, how can I make lunchtime easier so that I'm not like "Mm, cheeseburger or "Mm, salad, like have this, like prep this out ahead of time. Right. Exactly. Or even, you know, sometimes easy, you could even sub out the word easy for like fun or empowering or inspiring or whatever you need. A lot of us are looking for easy because we've just got too much going on. And so we're we're looking for kind of that that lazy road to something. But for example, let's say like I I know that my body feels when my body gets like I'm staring at my arm like you can see it. Like you can see the energy that happens under my skin. That's not a thing. But I can feel it in my body when my body's like, Kendra, you've got to go run. Like you've got too much excess energy. You need to go run it out. I'm not a regular runner. I don't have a running rhythm. I just listen when my body's like, go run. I'm like, all right, great. I don't love it. I know it's good for me and I do it. But what makes it easier is making it fun. And so a way that I can magic question running is I have a running playlist. It's already ready. Every time I run, play, go. So I'm not like, giving myself excuses to stop. You mentioned procrastinating. It's like, it could be that easy isn't, it doesn't matter. And you need to sub in another thing. I don't know the part of speech, even though I have an English degree. I can't think of what that is right now instead of easy. Um, But you could sub in something else that that speaks more deeply to what matters to you so that you're not putting that thing off. Okay, I really like that. Okay, so Lazy Genius principle number four, uh, you said live in the season. And I'm really excited to hear you talk about this because I think that for a lot of reasons, we all need this right now. And so real. (laughs) tell us what live in this season means. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. We hear a lot when we're in hard places. Um, We're going through like a health crisis or someone we know is going through a difficult health crisis or yeah, like new babies just really, you know, not having a job, like really difficult things. And people don't always know how to respond to difficult things. And we hear the phrase like, well, this is, you know, this is just, this is how it is, or you're going to learn something from this or whatever. And sometimes our season sort of gets dismissed as, well, you'll make it. It'll be fine. Move on, dismiss, whatever. And I don't think the intention of that is is malicious in any way. I think we all just don't have a great practice at listening and sitting in hard spaces and not knowing what to say. That's just not something we're all super skilled at. And so what I mean when I say live in your season, it's not like deal with it. Deal with it, Stephanie. Just deal with your season. Like it's not, yeah. it's not that. It's not, it's it doesn't have that kind of aggressive, dismissive posture. It is more about being compassionate about where you are, seeing and and not even necessarily like embrace embrace where you are or like when you have, I remember when I had a new baby, I mean, I've had three of them, but when I had the one and I didn't know what I was doing and so many people who have been separated from having new babies for a while said things like, well, you know, cherish every minute. And I'm like, most minutes suck though. Like, I don't <laughs> want to, this is awful. I'm so tired. I smell, like it was just like, what are you talking about? Like someone even said like, this is the best time of your life. And I'm like, you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I was so upset of that. I was so upset and so thrown. I was like, wait, really? Like, no, wait a minute. It was so jarring. And so I just want to be very, very clear that that living in your season is not like, well, just accept it the way it is. You know, like it is not like a big sweeping statement. It is more about 
being compassionate towards yourself. There's another principle in the book about being kind to yourself. And there is, those two hold hands very well. When you live in your season, there is part of that, that you sort of have to have compassion for yourself when you have to grieve something you don't have anymore. You know, most of the time living in our season involves some kind of loss, you know, loss of time, loss of control, loss of sleep, loss of job, loss of um, your own schedule, whatever it is. And so when we experience loss, we we just sort of like, we don't always know what to what to do with that. It's hard to sit with it. And so living in your season is about knowing the truth about who you are first. You let that inform how you see your season. So like, for example, with the, let me tell you, how many of your listeners do you think have have little babies or have moms? What's a better example than little babies? Um, of like a hard a hard season that your audience would be in, I generally mean, speaking. There are a lot, you know, something we talk a lot about it is singleness. But mm. another thing I think is like maybe something with jobs. Like so so yeah. not a ton of the women in our audience have kids yet, but I think like work, like when work yeah. is you're in between jobs or you're waiting for your job to change or you're waiting to hear on a job or you're in a job where you're just like, this isn't what I want to be doing with my life. I think that, yeah. you know, I think a lot of us have found ourselves there. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And and thinking about how sometimes people respond to someone who is in between jobs and especially if that person is not married or has a family. I'm from the South. Where do you live? Nashville, Tennessee, did you yeah. say? Okay, yeah. So did you grow up in the South? No, I grew up in Colorado. Okay, so maybe it's a little different. I don't know because I've lived in North Carolina my entire life. But like to be, to not have a spouse and kids as a Southern woman by the time, you know, you're like three or four years out of college, something's like not great. Like is something wrong with you? And so what, which is such garbage, obviously, hear me say that. Um, and so what happens though, is I think that that people come into our season, it's difficult enough to handle on our own, right? We're already feeling like the, like, oh, I don't have a job or I'm still looking. And it's like, I'm so tired of sending in resumes and not hearing back or like just missing the cut or like doing the next, um, like the next phone interview or being called in and not, you know, it's just, it's so much energy. And then when people meet that, like you still don't have a job or, you know, whatever it is, knowing the truth, starting with yourself, knowing the truth about who you are, that your job does not determine your value as a human, that your higher ability right now does not determine your value as a human and your ability to be loved. Like telling yourself those things sort of helps you um, almost like be, I was going to say be cozy with the grief and the loneliness and the hard things of living in your season. And I'm going to stick with that word because I think there's something to that. There's a companionship there that um, sort of reminds, reminds you that this isn't all there is right? It's not always going to be this way, but that doesn't mean you have to run from it. And that doesn't mean you also have to drown in it. You can tell yourself the truth about where you are. And then when other people say things that sort of make you want to run or drown, you have a place to put that, right? You have a place to put those words where when they don't, they don't, they don't line up with what you know to be the truth. And you can say like, that's not the truth. This is a hard season, but that doesn't mean that like I'm failing at this or I'm a disappointment or 
you know, any of those things. You don't have to internalize those things. That is definitely, I will say, the living in your season was the hardest chapter to write. I mean, it's a really hard thing to, it's one of those things that we experience over and over and over again in a whole bunch of different ways. And and it looks, exactly. it looks different for everybody. And I mean, it's just hard. Yeah. It's so personal. Yes. It's so personal. And we try to systemize, I think, our seasons, or we try to fit one season into the right. shape of another. And and that's just not, that's not what it means to be human. The, the live in your season chapter is definitely not one that has like a lot of like tips and tricks, takeaways. It's like, okay, guys, <laughs> let's, let's just, just name what this is, guys. This let's is just, just like, this, this is what it is. This, this is, is hard. hard sometimes. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Hey guys, I hope you're loving this conversation with Kendra as much as I am. I wanted to pop in for one quick second to thank our sponsor for this week. I'm so excited about this week's sponsor and here's why. So if you guys have been part of our Girls' Night community for a while now, you've heard me talk about counseling and about how life-changing it's been for me. Well, because I talk about it so much, I always have women asking me for recommendations for good therapists and I never feel like I'm able to truly help. I don't know therapists in every city across the country, and I've never known of a great central database of counselors until now. And that's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today. Today's sponsor is a company called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. They're amazing because they'll help you get traditional mental health counseling, but from a Christian perspective, and you get to do it all online all from the comfort of your couch, which is perfect for a season when we're still spending so much time at home. Faithful Counseling has made the process of finding a great, affordable Christian counselor so easy. All you have to do is go to their website and fill out a form about yourself, about what you're going through right now and what you're looking for in a counselor. And then Faithful Counseling will connect you with a fellow believer online through their giant network of licensed professional counselors. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours, And you can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And the best part is you get to do it all in your PJs, which I love. I'm actually working with an awesome counselor right now as I navigate this crazy transition of becoming a new mom and, you know, surviving a global pandemic and all the other craziness in our world right now. And I just love that we don't have to walk through life alone. I'm so grateful to have some extra help in my corner. One of the things I love most about Faithful Counseling is that they make it so easy and totally free to change counselors if you need to. I have always believed that for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And oftentimes we don't find the right person on our first try. And so then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is super awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, they've made this so much easier. If you don't love your counselor, or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's really, really easy, and switching is free. They make it so easy to find the best fit possible for you, and I love that. One other thing I wanted to make sure to mention about Faithful Counseling is how affordable they are. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when so many of our jobs are in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive, and they have financial aid available. Guys, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to getfaithful.com slash girlsnight to learn more about them. And I'm so excited about this. Faithful Counseling was so generous to give my Girls' Night listeners a special offer of 10% off your first month of counseling. 
So to check it out and to get 10% off your first month, just go to getfaithful.com slash girls night. Faithful Counseling, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls nights. We just love having you. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump back into our conversation with Kendra. So this one's a little bit more practical, I think. It's number six, and it's set house rules, which I love this already. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts about this, just sort of in general, but also like knowing that that while some women in our community have kids, like not everyone does. So if we are married with no kids or if we're dating or if we're single, whatever our life looks like, I feel like this is something we can start today. And so I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. Well, house rules are basically just choices that you make that support what matters. That's really all they are. They're It's kind of a version of deciding once. But house rules are generally like more accepted by everyone who's in the house. Not always, but like to a point. So if you were to name something that matters to you in your home, and let's say that like the environment, like the mood in your house really matters, especially let's say you you have like a really active job and you know you're you're doing your thing and you come home you're like always around people and you come home and you live alone and there's no one there which is actually what you want for a little while it's so lovely but if you just sort of like start going through the motions when you're home you might not actually be able to to reset the way that you want to and then you're just like rather than really uh resting at the end of the day you're kind of just immobilized you're just still which is different and so what you can do is say name what matters like the vibe in my house i'm a, i'm big on vibes the vibe in my house really matters when i walk into my apartment i want to feel home and so you could have a house rule of when you walk in the door you start playing music or you have a house rule that when you go buy groceries you buy a bouquet of flowers because the flowers add life to your home because the vibe of your home matters. So really it's just, and so then like, if that's a house rule, buy flowers every time you go to the store, when you start dating and you and your boyfriend are going to Trader Joe's and you, every time y'all go to Trader Joe's, you buy a bouquet of flowers, like he starts to be like, oh, that's like a thing we do. Okay, great. And then you get married and then you take your kids and before you know it, you're there with your eight-year-old and you're, you don't even have to ask your eight-year-old to grab a bouquet of flowers. That's what you do because it's a house rule because it matters. So it's just a choice that supports what matters. Yeah. Okay. I really, I really like that. Can you give us like a couple more examples about just cause like my, my, my wheels are turning and I want to like, I want to know more of what this can look like. Yeah. Well, I think that a great place to start with naming house rules, because again, I could give you a, a list of possible house rules but if they don't support what matters to you, if they only support what matters to me, then they won't resonate as much. And so there, you know, we we take off our shoes because I'm married to a Japanese man. And so culturally that matters. But then also it's it sure does make it easier to clean the floor when we don't wear shoes in the house. You know, so some of them are really practical. Like we don't take our shoes off. It's great. Or a house rule is keys always go in the basket, nowhere else. <laughs> like even when like, hey, Sam, my 10-year-old, hey, Sam, can you go outside and get whatever from the car? And he take he takes the keys with him and he comes back like, no, key, keys go in the basket. And it's not about being like a robot about it or whatever. That particular act, let's say the keys one, I don't, what matters is that when we are together as a family, let's say we're leaving to go somewhere, we're going out to dinner or we're going to the park or going to school, not being stressed 
together as a family and not being angry at each other because we're running late or whatever, that matters. Like we want to connect more than disconnect. We want to connect more than be efficient even. But something as simple as the keys always go in the basket saves us the energy of like, where are the keys? And then everybody's stressed. And then you accidentally yell at your kid because you're stressed out and then he starts crying and then you're late for school and it's like dominoes start falling. So, So I think a great place to start in naming your own house rule as your wheels are spinning because it's easy to grab other things and then they don't really stick because they're not about what matters to you is to think about at certain times of your day, think about a time of your day where you're generally stressed or maybe a project or a task or a relationship or something that's generally stressful. And then just back up, like keep backing up. Like what caused that stress? Well, all the yelling caused all that stress. (laughs) Well, what started the person yelling? Hmm. What, you know, like, and just kind of keep backing up. I give an example in the book about our, I apologize that I have three children and so that all of my examples have to do with children. No, it's <laughs> like great. I love it. Examples. I'm taking notes. We're um, all taking notes. I love it. It's good. But um, no, I I had to really step back really far in our afternoons after school because for us, it was my my youngest. I had to wake her up from her nap to go get her brothers from school. And then we would all come home and everyone's like losing their minds. And, you know, they've held themselves together at school for as long as possible. And they come home and just fall apart. And as I backed up, I realized that the thing that we needed to do, the house rule was to put book bags and lunch boxes on the kitchen counter not the floor, not anywhere else. Because what happened is everyone would come home. They just throw their things off. Someone would trip. Someone would fall on someone else holding someone's art project that would rip in half and then everyone would start crying. If one cries, another yells and then the other cries at the other for yelling. It's like, and then mom's yelling and then I'm like, everybody get out of my face. Where's my chocolate? And I run to a closet. That is not how I want my afternoon to go. But that's what happens with those dominoes. And so when I backed it up and realized like, oh my gosh, it's the stuff on the floor. That's part of what causes the craziness is people are tripping or they can't find stuff or they're just like emptying out their book bags and leaving it all over the floor. So the minute we walk in the house, I'm like, book bags on the counter, book bags on the counter. And they do. And it's crazy. I mean, it like blows my mind every single time how much smoother the afternoon goes. So name a stressful time and just kind of keep backing up to try to imagine the dominoes, what knocked that thing over? What knocked that thing over? What knocked that thing over? And the goal of a house rule, sorry, I just backed up from the microphone. You might not have even been able to hear me. Is that <laughs> backing up from the dominoes? And your house rule is to keep the first domino from falling. That's okay. the whole point. I'm trying to think like, so I don't know if these count, but I'm trying to think of a couple. So one for me, and this isn't, this isn't a house rule because my husband doesn't need this in the same way that I do. But like, Sometimes at six, sometimes at like eight ish, sometimes I can make it till nine. I have to put my phone on airplane mode. Like mm. I don't, I, it's, I need to not check my email. I need to not yeah. be on Instagram. I need to not even get texts from friends or from my mom or from anybody because I just need to start winding down. And sometimes depending on how full my day was, I need to start winding down a lot sooner. And I just like need to shut off from the world. And so, and so my husband doesn't need to do the same thing. Like he'll, you know, he'll be on Instagram next to me, which is totally fine, but like, I can't do it. And so for me, like my house rule is, I mean, at some time between five and eight 30, my phone goes on airplane mode and it helps me sleep better. It helps me be way less cranky. Like it just, helps so much. And I'm thinking another thing that I think is a house rule for us is like if something we, so a couple years ago, 
I read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. And her whole as thing is that- As we all did. As we all did. <laughs> and her whole thing is like, if something doesn't spark joy, like you get rid of it. Sure. And and I mean, I know that like not everything can spark joy, but you know the difference between like the spatula that's like kind of burned and or you kind of melted it and like yep. it doesn't work really well and the spatula that like you just really like. Y'all can't see, but Stephanie just did a spatula shimmy and it was like the best thing ever. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> like so kind of like attitude. I was a bit of pancake. Um, <laughs> but so like a couple years ago, we started just kind of getting this habit of like, if something doesn't fit anymore, if something doesn't work. And I mean, like we, we donate it, we recycle it, we see who in our lives needs it. We like get it out of our house. And it's made it so that like cleaning up at the end of the day is so much easier. All of our crap has a place to go. Like there's just very little junk in our house that we're like, what is that? Or like, why do we own that? And it's because we like, I mean, a couple of years ago started getting in this habit of if this doesn't bring joy, like if this doesn't bring us joy, if this doesn't work or like if this is irritating to us in any way, we just do not need to give it space in our house. And it's made our house such like, it's just a more pleasant place to be. Totally. No, I think that's so great. And what I, you know, what I love about the the first one about the Instagram thing is that like, in some ways, the house rule is like, Stephanie needs to have her her phone on airplane mode so that the house functions better as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and not that you you need to have your needs serve everyone else all the time. We're allowed to sometimes like take care of ourselves at the expense of other people, just like we are willing to take on the burden of our um, our partners or our friends or whatever, taking care of themselves, at, you know, at our burden. Like it's fine because we love each other. So I'm not saying like that you need to sacrifice. But that's not what I mean. Um, but I'd love that you're you're saying that because not only are you demonstrating that the um, the rule doesn't have to apply to two people because guess what? Different things matter to each of you in that. Like you, it, Instagram, that my husband's the same way. Being on his phone doesn't really affect how my husband is like for the rest of the day or yeah. the next morning. It doesn't affect him. He's the same guy. Whereas for me, I'm, this, I'm the same. It's like, I need to stop. Like, yeah. it, just, it starts to kind of like, I, I'm like, why am I not reading right now? I love to read. Reading makes me like love the world and it makes my eyes not hurt and I go to sleep better. Why am I not reading? And so you're right. Like having that rule of like not getting into that place where then you stay up on your phone and it's 1130 and you're tired, but for some reason we still don't put it down because I don't understand. And it's so it's not demonizing Instagram or your phone or anything. It's naming what matters to you. What matters to you is to feel like a person at the end of the day. And the next time you when you wake up the next morning, and if turning off your phone supports that, what a beautiful house rule. It's not morality on the phone. No. It's simply putting uh, the focus on what matters to you. So those, yeah. those are great examples. I love that. Oh, that's I am so glad to hear that. Um, and I'm glad I'm not the only one that finds themselves like kind of like twitching or like being just like a weird <laughs> version of themselves when they've it's been very like twitchy. scrolling I get it. No, for it so long. Oh my gosh. No. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So, okay. I think that this is kind of along the same lines, but lazy genius principle number 10 is essentialize. What does that mean and how do we yeah. apply it? So anything, in my opinion, anything that is not essential is just noise. Like your example just now, of the spatula and the tools and the broken things and the things that just don't bring joy. And some of these principles, like you'll find 
this is why I love the book so much, is you'll find that like two or three principles together have this like little mini system in your life that affects your life in a great way. So like you have a house rule of if this doesn't work, we're going to get rid of it. Like we're not going to think about it. We're just going to get rid of it. That also plays into a principle called put everything in its place. You Because you actually said that, like everything has its place. There's not like clutter. We know where everything goes. Like it makes the house just feel, it's not about stuff really. It's just about your stuff having a place. Um, and then when you throw in this one of you're not keeping anything that isn't essential, that contributes to that house rule of like, well, then let's just, we'll just get rid of it. And then like they all just kind of hold hands together so well. So, um, but anything that is not essential is noise. And I think that managing noise is why we're tired. And I think it's physical noise. You know, I think it's like visual, I guess is a better word than physical. It's visual noise of our own spaces. But even thinking about your schedule, even thinking about your thoughts sometimes, you know, like thoughts that are not essential, that are not serving you, that are not affirming, that are not, um, yeah, like any number, list 20 things there. They are noise and they're keeping you from remembering the truth about yourself or from focusing on what you care about or just being like, rooted in in the true person that you are, like being very wholehearted and moving towards people. So if you have all these non-essential thoughts in your head, then it's so noisy and you're having to manage them in your conversations. And did she think I said this when I said that? Did she think this when she saw me? Did I, you know, you're just like, what ifing, what ifing, did she, did she? And it becomes so noisy. And then you lie awake and you're like, I'm so tired. That was supposed to be fun. Why was that not tired? Why, why am I so tired? And and I think it's because of that, that we we hold on to so many things that do not serve us in our drawers, in our purses, <laughs> in our conversations. Um, and so Essentialize is all about keeping what supports what matters, keeping only what is essential, what serves you well, and being willing to release the other things because we need far less than we think we do. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Um, okay, so the last one I want to ask you about is uh, principle number 12, which is to schedule rest. And I'm, I've been working on this for the last couple of years. I'm much better today than I was even six months ago. But like, talk to us about this. How do we do this? And you mentioned earlier, like sometimes we come home and we just sort of immobilize. Yeah. Like how do we actually rest or how do we figure out how we need to rest? Yeah. And that that is exactly the key right there is that everybody rests different ways. What everyone needs to rest is is different. And so we think that rest is being still. And for some people, rest is going out with friends at the end of the day because that is what makes them feel like themselves, right? And so, um, you know, like if you have, one of my dearest friends is, um, I don't know how, we don't have to throw Enneagram into this very much, but you know, one of my friends is an Enneagram seven and like an intense, ex, not intense. She's like a very energetic extrovert. And to tell her to like, well, yeah, you need to rest, just go home. No, that's not restful. Like, that's so draining. Why would I do that? You know? So, um, so it is. It begins with naming what makes you feel like yourself. Mm. What fills you up and makes you feel like. And this might sound a little too woo woo, but like, really, what makes you say like, "There I am." Like, that's me. This is 
what I love to do. I feel like you just feel rooted where you are. You feel like, again, this could be my own personality, but sometimes when I feel very whole in a relationship, in a conversation, in a in an experience, there's like a sparkle mm-hmm. that comes like that, that I feel like it's just, I, I don't know. There's just this energy when we are ourselves. And that is, that's what I really ultimately want from this book in the first place is for everybody to experience that sparkle and to let go of whatever is like killing their sparkle. Because if we're all sparkling and then we're holding hands and we're not comparing sparkles, but we're championing sparkles, are you kidding me? Like we need this to happen. So anyway, back to the rest thing. Um, it starts with naming what makes you feel like yourself, what makes you come alive. And that could be, being completely still, sitting on a porch swing and not talking for an hour, just listening to birds. And it could be going out with friends. So I think where it begins is just to pay attention. If if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't know what that is for me, just kind of pay attention over these next few days of like when you might feel that sparkle or when you feel just at ease, you know, like when do you just feel relaxed, not exhausted, not immobilized, but when do you just feel at ease? And Think about what you're doing or what led to that thing. And then ask yourself like, wow, is that, does that bring me rest? Does mm-hmm. running bring me rest? Does baking read me bring me rest? Does conversation with someone like in the eye bring me rest? Like it doesn't mean just like sitting still on a couch with a book or whatever. It can, but it doesn't have to. So starting there is important, is the most important place. And then I would say um, in terms of like, how often you do it. There are different sections in the chapter about scheduling rest, about like daily rest, seasonal rest, weekly rest, soul rest, sleeping, like all the different Mm. kinds. But I think the most important thing other than naming what brings you rest is to just practice every day. Every single day, just begin your day, end your day, in the middle of the day. When do you need to feel rest? When do you need to feel at ease? When do you need to feel like yourself? And the more that you get into the habit of daily rest, the less dependent you are on like, that magical, you know, four-day getaway at a beach. And you're like, I just need to get away. I just need a break. Like we hold so desperately to those. And then we get there and we're like, wait, what am I doing? I don't, and then you sort of like, you don't know how to rest. You go on vacation and you don't know how to rest. So you come home tired. So you come home tired, right? (laughs) Then it's all, it's like downhill from there. So exactly. So name what makes you feel like yourself, what puts you at ease, whatever that is. And then try and practice that in very, very small ways every day. Practice your resting muscle. And then you can start to know, like, I also need to have like an entire Saturday once a month where I do this thing for longer than 20 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. You know, like you can, you can kind of like build it out, like build your rest out, but do not start with some like weird quarterly retreat thing that will not serve you because you have not learned how to rest yet. So learn how to rest today. There's so much in there that I like, just, I need to sit down and take notes. I love this. First of all, when you said like, there I am, that didn't feel woo at all to me. Like I, I kind of got chills. Like, I think we, I know what that feels like to feel like you just, ah, like there she is. You know, this is, this is how I love to be. And you know, we don't feel that all the time. And, and Mm. so there, and that's different. Like, I don't know if I would have said, when I think about rest, I think about like, am I like sleep deprived or am I tired? But like, but like that feeling of feeling like I am the person 
I want to be, and like, I'm really alive. That's different than being like not sleep deprived, you know? And exactly. so that's, so that requires more than a nap for me. Right. Um, it does. So many like, things. Their naps are so good. Naps but are so we think good. that we think that naps are going to fix it all. And it's just like naps need to work alongside of of naming this and knowing, you know, what it and I and I want to say too, like when you said it didn't that it resonated with you, like, oh, there she is, and that we don't feel that very often. I think one of the reasons is we don't, it's almost like we're embarrassed to feel that way. Hmm. Like that that somehow that means we're drawing attention to ourselves or we're like, oh no, wait, that that feels like there it's very vulnerable to to feel the sparkle and then move into the room with the sparkle. Whether your sparkle is loud or quiet or administrative or entertaining or whatever, there is something that can feel very fearful about moving into a space with your sparkle. And that's why I love the daily act of like noticing what it is that kind of like brings you that soul rest because then you start to, again, practice that muscle of like, no, this is who I am. There she is. I'm going to keep her. I don't want her to like hide for as long as she normally does, that that we move into spaces confident. I think we're afraid to be confident because we feel like it's just like shining a spotlight on ourselves. And, you know, we're supposed to be like humble and selfless and all these things. And yes, that's true. But doggone it, the number of times that I've had um, interactions with people, conversations with people, and I am focusing on not drawing the attention to me and therefore not being fully who I am. I think that those two things go together. I conflate that. I conflate um, not being who I am with being selfless and I still hijack the conversation because I'm still thinking about me. It's Mm -hmm. still about me. So instead, instead, I want us to all as women, especially now with like everything that we have been experiencing as a country for these last few weeks, like, I want us to be confident in how we are made and confident in how we move in the world and how we see and recognize that, again, there is not some continuum of like what it means to be a woman and that we're comparing our, our good and our bads. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beauty pageant for like what it means to be a woman. Like, that's just not, it's not helpful for anyone. So, it's ironic that daily rest is something that can encourage us to move into that space more. And I love that it's also a simple thing that mm-hmm. we can do. But I tell you what, is it weird? I already said, is it weird for me to say I love my book? Is it also weird that I feel like this is like like a movement that we need to start? This very like small subsection of women <laughs> that were like, you guys, you guys, it's okay to care. It's okay to like believe that who you are is important and special and to like live deeply in that and like to not be ashamed of that. And I mean, it's just, if you can't tell, I really care about it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, so that word care keeps jumping out to me because like when we're resting, this specific kind of rest, or I guess we've really broadened the definition, like it can look like whatever you need it to look like. Exactly. What you're doing is you're taking care of yourself And then when you're taking care of yourself, you get to show up in the world like someone who is cared about and someone who's cared Mm, for. And like, that's so, it's just, I don't know. It makes the world go round, man. I tell you what, it just does. It's like the world would be a better place if we would all be willing to care hmm. about ourselves and then about the way that other people care about themselves. 
and let us all exist in that way. It's just, it's a really powerful thing. It is. That's a that's such a good word, Stephanie, that we move into the world like people who are cared about. That's really good. Just last but not least, I've loved getting to talk to you. Do you have any just like last piece of encouragement for the women who are listening? Or like, I was even thinking, you know, I know that you spend so much time like thinking about how to be a lazy genius. Like if there's any sort of like hack that you've come up with where you're like, (laughs) this is like, just so like toss this out. Like you don't need to worry about this or um, this makes everything so much easier. Just any last piece of encouragement. I love to hear it. Well, it's funny because you know how you said that you made you guys, she sends me her questions. So at least I have an idea of what's coming. And do you know what I wrote on the last word? Because I didn't know that we were going to go to where we went at the end was it's okay to care. Like that's what I wrote down. Oh, but it's okay to care. And so I feel like I just need to say it again because maybe we need to hear it again. Like it's okay to care. And also I just think you should read my book. And that's not like a get it at the library. I don't, you don't need to like pay me money for it. Like just, I just want you to read it. I just want you to like, I just want you to read it because I, I hope I don't cry just because audio, editing crying audio is a lot harder no. than when people are not crying. Listen, <laughs> we cry a lot around here at Girls' Night. It just happens. But I just, I, I believe so deeply that women need to hear this. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I feel really honored and humbled to be a, a voice and a messenger of this. This is, these are not, my, there's nothing new in this book, but I do hope that the way that it is presented, these these principles that you can apply to everything under this umbrella of you are allowed to care and we're in this together and we are not trying to compare our systems with other people's systems and we're not trying to out um, like out chill someone else or outdo someone else, out try or out give up. Like we're not, that's not what this is about. This is about caring about what matters to you, embracing that, letting go of what doesn't matter. And if it matters to someone else, that's beautiful. That's why everything's taken care of. We think like, how are we going to balance everything? How do we, how does one do it all? Well, no one can, but all together we do it all oh. because everybody cares about different things. So yeah, so I hope that you, find your way to the lazy genius way or someone who has a copy or request it from your library or whatever and and read it. And I hope it brings you a lot of freedom. I love that. Kendra, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. It was great. Friends, isn't Kendra amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to our website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Kendra's contact info. So you can follow her, so you can check out her book and so that y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me and it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.